Welcome to episode 69. Hey everyone, it's Davis Mutawa here, your host of the Business Generals Podcast. Thank you for joining me once again. I really do appreciate your time. Uh, today, I just wanted to let you know that the next two episodes are going to be a special recording that I wanted to share with you and I'm very excited about this. A little while ago I did a live workshop over in Zambia. Now if you're listening to this and you don't know where Zambia is, Zambia is in the southern part of Africa that is where the Great Victoria Falls is and that is where I originally come from. I migrated, my wife and I migrated from Zambia to Australia about 2005. So we went down there to visit family and to do some business projects there. And one of the things we really wanted to do was to organize a business workshop, which we titled Think, Execute, Succeed, The Art of Converting Your Ideas and Giftings into Wealth and Your Wealth into Significance. So I wanted to give you the privilege and the opportunity to to hear me live uh, on stage and in action. And I wasn't very sure about how this would go down because it's, it's a little while ago, but I'm really excited about the content that was delivered and the feedback that we received was just amazing. We held it in Lusaka, that's the capital of Zambia, and we had over 50 people in um, Protea Hotel Conference Center over in Lusaka. And it was it was just amazing just to have the opportunity to spend a couple of hours in a live workshop. Now my team has edited this down just to give you all the, the, the key highlights of my training workshop there. So, so you're going to get a two-part series of that workshop. And I really want you to dig in and to really enjoy listening in. I started it off by just sharing about myself, my family, and then we talk about what is your mission in life and we talk about what is your second mission in life. So I want you to pay attention to all of that. And then we go into the six steps to significance, ideas, creating systems, creating duplication, creating leverage, then creating wealth, which leads you to significance. And I walk through a bunch of examples to just trigger your, your senses and your imagination and to help you recall and remember all the things that are critical and that are important. We talk about ideas, we talk about systems that you need to put into place. And um, I help you just walk through a whole bunch of scenarios and it's really engaging. I had a lot of fun. Our family was there, my wife was there, our daughter was there, uh, my brother, my older brother, my wife's uh, younger sister and younger brother. Actually, this event was all organized by um, Brave Only Music and Retune which is an organization led by Mr. Stephen Mwale, who is my wife's young brother. And uh, they're doing an amazing job marketing music over in Africa. And, um, and we're very proud of what he has done. He's been one of my coaching students for a number of years now. And um, he's a real entrepreneur. And I just want to give him a shout out. And so dig right in. Enjoy. And if you've got any feedback, hit me up at dmutabwa at outlook.com or go to businessgeneralspodcasts at outlook.com. Remember to hit subscribe on your podcast player if you have not already done so, so that you do not miss an episode. And for all the show highlights, the highlight reel, free PDF highlight reel, it's going to be available for you, businessgeneralscom forward slash think businessgeneralscom forward slash think. Grab that, download it, and it's all yours for free at that link, businessgeneralscom forward slash think. I love you guys. Enjoy this episode. Uh, so tonight we'll be talking a little bit about significance and legacy. So that's my reason why. So ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a reason why tonight, 
make sure you find your reason why because otherwise you'll be frustrated every single day waking up in the morning driving through traffic if you don't have a good reason why you're going to quit on your dreams and you're going to quit on those people who are counting on you so that's why we do what we do there's our little girl she's she's four years old um she's in the park next to where we live that's just me looking pretty always good to to show my my good face you can see i only have one suit uh this is the one i brought so uh so it's all good that's the oprah <laughs> I was trying to remember what is it. That's the Opera House in Sydney. So uh, we went out there for a holiday. I think that was about two, three years ago. That's one of my millionaire mentors in in a, in a group that I'm that I belong to. He's based in the US. So we had a meeting and he came down to to Australia. And I just thought I, you know, I'll show him off over there. And uh, that's me again. Just, can everybody see me here over in the corner there? It's good, yeah. This was just recently. We they invited me to go out to do a, a meeting out in Brisbane, um, in a, interstate or like another province, if you like. So uh, it was a business business seminar that that, that I was running at a church meeting there. So um, just thought I'd show that up there. And uh, these are some of the young people that we're mentoring back at uh, our local church in Melbourne. Um, we took them out for a, for a youth retreat. So um, so you know, a couple of them, you know, want to be in business. A couple of them want to want to do different things. So this is some of our passion things that we do. And uh, this is a real estate seminar that we run probably about maybe six months ago over in Melbourne and we had a couple of people come out there just to, to learn some of the stuff that we've been doing in the past. So so that's just a little bit about me and then the rest you you heard from uh, from Stephen. So who's who's excited about being here tonight? Some of you are just excited inside, eh? <laughs> I wanted to do something very quickly. Just turn around, look at your neighbor and smile. And now listen very carefully. If they didn't smile back, I want you to, to stand up and move because we don't want any negative energy around us, yeah? So tonight I really wanted to share... Um, a little bit. We're not going to hold you too long, but but wanted to put this together just to to introduce what we do and to to really just sow a seed into somebody's life because I believe every seed that is sown has potential to grow. So if you can receive a little bit of something here tonight, I hope you can incubate it and really treasure it until it germinates and produces fruit. Because information can bring liberation; it can set us free from the different things that might be going in a spiral about. So what are we going to talk about? I said before in um, over in the cover, I made a big audacious declaration to say, we want to learn the art of converting your ideas and giftings into wealth and your wealth into significance. So obviously that's a pretty big statement, but I want to start with this first thing. What is your number one mission in life? And what we did, we, we made some handouts that are not going to be enough so, so for the sake of sanity, maybe we'll just hang on to them or people can share. We can put a few on the tables just so you can have something to reference as, as we, as we go. So your number one mission in life. Yeah. Your number one mission in life. How many have heard, um, Eric Thomas, ET? No. So he really inspires me every time I listen to him. He's, um, he's a great, he's a great speaker. He's a great motivational speaker. So I got some of what I'm, what I'm talking about here from just what he said. Number one mission in life. So here we go. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What what excites you? Yeah? This is very important because this is what causes you to keep going when things get tough. Yeah? If you find yourself working in a job that you are not excited about, it's going to be a bit of a drag. Who's who's ever been in a job that they were not very excited about? Who's still in that job? You don't want to put your hand up because your boss might still be here. If your boss is here, just uh, just tap your foot or something. What are you passionate about? Now, this is not me just trying to talk to you. I want you to to be answering this so that when you get out of here, you've got something out of it. Don't write the question. Write down the answer, right? So do shorthand. Passion. What am I passionate about? Now, I want to help you. 
So there's business, there's government or politics. This is areas of influence. If you've ever heard of a guy called Lance Warnow, he really talks about what's called the seven mountains of influence. By the way, when you get that handout, don't try to read through to the end. It's not like you read that Superman made it in the end and then you come back to the beginning of the story and then you work out how to go through the the whole Superman book. Don't go forward because you're going to lose, you're going to miss out on something that could be the thing that you came here for. Does that make sense? Can we work together on that? So the seven mountains of influence... Number one is business. Number two, government and politics. Then there's arts. Can everybody see this? Probably not. So arts and entertainment. Then there's religion. Then there's education. And then we've got media. And then we've got family. Okay. I want you to see this because when we talk about passion, you're most likely going to be passionate about one of those things. Or your passion can fall into one of those categories. Now these are called the seven mountains of influence. Or the seven spheres of influence. Business. Why business? Because all of us go and look for a job from a business person. Therefore, they influence our lives. Yes or no? Yes. Government or politics. Why government or politics? Because government makes the policies. Yes or yes? So because they make the policies, they influence our lives. They say, drive on the left, you drive on the left. If you don't drive on the left, you're in trouble. Doesn't matter if it's a public holiday or you should be in trouble. Arts and entertainment. Arts and entertainment, this is where you find your Hollywood. They influence our lives because if we look around the room, there is somebody who's wearing a hairstyle that they saw on TV, most likely. Or you're wearing a nice jacket, a nice suit like I am, which you saw um, somebody um, wearing on TV or that somebody who's influential has created for us. That's why they're influential. Is that right? And we're busy watching movies all the time. Religion. Religion, most of us here would have probably grown up in church or some form of, some form of variation of that. And that, that influences us. Education. Education is where we learn our ABCs and our one, two, threes. Is that right? So that's an influence. So you may be passionate about education. So if you are passionate about education, that's your focus. Yeah. Media. Media. This is CNN, BBC, uh, movie TV, I suppose, uh, ZNBC, all the local guys as well, they influence how we understand what is happening in the world. Because what they show on TV is what we believe is happening. Is that right? If they show us that there's an earthquake somewhere, we understand there is an earthquake somewhere. If they show us ISIS is taking over the Middle East, we understand that that's what's happening. We don't go to, 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 to the Middle East to actually work it out for ourselves. If they present Africa the way it has been presented, that is how the world understands Africa as being. So unless we have somebody in the media sphere from Africa who begins to change the the perspective that people have, that doesn't change. Do you understand what I'm saying? The last one is family. Family constitutes how, we, how we're raised, how we grow up, the community that we live in. So your passion may be in any one of these seven categories most likely. So tonight I want you to recognize where is your passion? Where does it sit? Because once you understand where it sits, then you can begin to take the next step. Is that good? Who's found where their passion sits? Let me see your hand. Who hasn't found where their passion sits? Let me see your hand. Who has not found where their passion sits? We're all good? Yes? You haven't found where your passion sits. Okay. So what excites you? Teaching? Are you sure? That's there. That's education. I ask you, are you sure? Because if it was your passion, it would have popped out in your mind as soon as you you saw education. So I would challenge you if I was coaching you to say that is not your passion. Does that make sense, ladies and gentlemen? Where your passion is, every time it rises up in conversation, everything in you gets on alert. If, if, if somebody is about to fall asleep and their passion thing rises up in conversation, suddenly they wake up. Not to not why. Because that's where your passion is. So if you're struggling, you just need to go and do a bit of homework and really introspective search about yourself. The next thing is skills, strengths, giftings. What do you have that you're strong in? I was saying yesterday, your passion could be one thing. Your strength is something else. It's going to be difficult for you to combine it into a viable business model because the two need to work together. And um, we're actually in a church service that I was speaking at, and somebody said they're passionate about singing, but their singing skills are weak. Right. 
that is not a very good combination if you want to create something out of that in terms of creating a future career or a business model. Unless you find another angle in the music industry that you can do other than singing. Yes, yes, cool. Then what ideas do you have? It's interesting that you as an individual, you will have ideas. And most times people will talk you out of those ideas. So number one, don't keep sharing your ideas every time your idea comes. There's a time of incubation. Yeah. So incubate your ideas for a season before you begin to share that idea out. Because you may share it to somebody and your vision will get aborted. Because they will discourage you out of it completely. Yes or yes? So what ideas do you have that keep resurfacing? Ideas that keep resurfacing. Who's ever had an idea? You, you push it down. And then after two years, I should have done that idea. You see someone else doing it and you say, maybe I should still do it. Well, it's in you. Do it. It's in you. Do it. That's my encouragement to you. Don't wait for someone else to keep doing it. It doesn't matter if they've made a start because you are unique. The way they would do their hair salon is different than the, the way you do your hair salon. Just because they've started doesn't mean you can't get going. I was talking to my brother just two or three or four weeks ago about this new um, hardware store that has just opened down the road called Builders, Builders World. And I was saying to him, I said, wow, these guys have managed to break through. I wonder whether they've made their money back. He says they've made their money back already because there's been so much traffic. But you would have thought there's enough building companies and suppliers. But they made, they took a step, they took a risk and said, we're going into Zambia and we're going to do this. So because they're unique, they've attracted their own clients, their own clientele, and they're making money. So just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you cannot do it. But you got to do your due diligence, yeah? So what ideas do you keep having? Then now you've got to mix it all up with faith. What do we call faith in business? It's called risk. That's how faith is spelt in business. It's called risk. When you're sitting in a board meeting, you've got to look at what is your risk appetite? Are you going to invest a lot of money? Are you going to invest a little bit of money? Yes. What? Some people are ready to borrow money. Others are running away from borrowing money. I'm okay with it. As long as it's calculated, you understand what you're investing in. You understand what the risks are and then you do it. But you've got to understand your risk quotient, your risk appetite. That's faith. Then you, a bit of work. You've got to work. Entrepreneurship requires work. It requires a lot of work. At the beginning, you're investing a lot of time without pay. It's easy to get a job because it's free. You don't pay money to get a job. Anyone here paid money to... Maybe don't put up your hand if you did pay money to get a job. <laughs> but generally, you shouldn't pay money to get a job, yeah? You should just go and, and be interviewed and you get the, you get given the job if you, if you're, you know, if you're the man for it or the, or the girl for it. But starting a business requires investment. It requires risk. That's why most people don't do it. And most people say, just keep working. Just keep working a job because it's safer, right? So if you combine all of this, this gets you to understand what your number one mission in life is. This is what's going to get you to understand your purpose in life. This is what is going to get you to understand why you were born, why you're still alive. Who knows somebody that is the same age who should be alive, who isn't alive? Yeah? Why do I say that? Because you are still alive for a reason. And each one of us has got a different footprint. We've got a different DNA in us, a fingerprint. So there's a purpose for us to achieve. If you follow through this formula, you are going to understand why you are here and what you should live for. And, and how do you know whether you're not living in your passion? Because you're dragging yourself every morning. If you're dragging yourself every morning to wherever you're dragging yourself to, you know you're not living in your passion. You know you're being forced. Because anytime you're living in your passion, you're going to be waking up. You're not even going to be sleeping. People are going to be like, this guy is crazy. He never sleeps. Who's getting something out of this tonight? If you're getting something out of this, say I. Who can take a guess at what your number two mission in life should be? Anybody can take a guess at what your number two mission in life should be. Can I borrow my wallet? Anybody? Okay. Who's worked out what their number one mission in life is? Who's ready to share it? It's being incubated. <laughs> Too many sharp entrepreneurs here. <laughs>
Balave na Facebook watch the update my status by the time you are launching they're thinking you've copied the idea who who can tell me what the number 2 mission in life should be create create wealth no yes your number your number 2 mission is to pursue your number 1 mission to pursue your every single day you wake up in the morning you're like this is my num- this is my mission This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. If it's raising children through education like my sister-in-law does and that's your number one mission, then that's it. Every morning you wake up at 4 a.m. as she does, you know that this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing every single day Monday to Friday, week in week out, year in year out until it breaks, until it succeeds. Is that good? That's what you focus on. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means you've understood what 95% of people have never understood. Because the number one thing that people say when they're on their deathbed at age 70, 80, 90 or 45 because of the the death rate here in Zambia is pretty high. Hopefully all of us here will live until we can, you know, we can live no more until 80s or 90s. Most people don't regret that they didn't have enough money. Most people don't regret that they didn't you know have more children or or whatever the number one thing they regret most is that they didn't really pursue the thing that they wanted to pursue they they neglected their dreams they parked their dreams and followed someone else's dream now my question is are you living your dreams or are you living your mother's dream are you working in your father's job your father wanted you to become a doctor and you became a doctor just because your father was supposed to be a doctor and then didn't make it to be a doctor they put that burden on you You might be making good money but you're frustrated. So are you living your passion? Are you following your dream? That's very important. It's not fluff. It's very important because it speaks to your heart. And I know when we're growing up there are certain things that we know produce more money, becoming a lawyer, becoming a doctor, becoming, you know, whatever. But who knows? Actually, yesterday um I was watching somebody who used to be a journalist and now is um is is one of the top cabinet ministers in this country because they probably worked out that their passion is politics and they pursued it with all their heart. Now you may agree or disagree with some of their policies but they're pursuing their their passion and they're succeeding. How do I know they're succeeding? Because they've moved from one party to another at the top of their game. You may not agree with moving from one party to another, but if you go into politics and you want to drive the country, you've got your own principles. Is that good? So, you may look at journalism and say maybe not, but if that's your passion and you become a Larry King in journalism, guess what? You're at the top of the journalism mountain. But if you're just a reporter that just, you know, is frustrated because you're doing it just because, you know, there was only one more spot at Evelyn Hone if that's where you did your studies and it was only in journalism and you just found yourself in the journalism class, then you're frustrated. You're not following your passion and you're never going to make good money if you're not in something that you're passionate about. Yes or yes. Okay. It's very important that you ignore the naysayers, the discouraging people. Just Two days ago we we're talking about Moaf and I we don't listen to the news. Who who let me just see if there's anybody else in that club. Yeah, that's good. Let's give them a round of applause if those people who don't listen to the news. Who who can tell me why why it's good not to listen to the news? Yeah, let's give her another hand. <laughs> who listened to the news this week and you just wanted to turn it off? You love the news but you just thought, "Ooh, this is too much." Yeah? Listen. News is designed to sell business. If you owned CNN, what do you want? marketing money advertising money yeah so so you're not going to put on news that is not going to attract people a long time ago news see this is what i read in the australian market when they started giving out television licenses they were giving them out for free and then they requested the television use the television owners to provide news for free for the community and to provide spots for the community so that the community can be using it for free and for a long time news just used to be news with no commercials until they realized that a lot of people were watching the news a lot of people would just hang out for the here's 19 hours yep and so they started putting a lot of commercials on the news and so it became about generating money so what what sells good news or bad news 
Bad news sells, believe it or not. So if you feed yourself two hours a day with bad news, how is that for your spirit? How is that for your motivation? I don't think it's very good. Now, some people, I had a lot of people who've disagreed with me. They said, oh, but what about if, oh, you didn't hear about the war that broke out there in the, in the other countries? I said, no, I didn't. Like, you see, how can you live like this without not watching news? I said, whether I heard about the war that broke out or didn't, I don't think anything would have changed. I would not have changed anything. I mean, seriously. Does that make sense? Now, there is maybe three, four, five percent of things that are spoken in the news that make sense that you need to hear. And believe me, when, when you need to hear it, you will hear it. Actually, it was very interesting in Australia. They changed the prime minister because they can. Um, so the party that was elected into power is able to, to change the leader of the party. And if they change the leader of the party, it means they change the prime minister without the people going back to elections. That's interesting, isn't it? So we woke up one morning and um, the prime minister had changed. Overnight, they had a caucus meeting and the MPs and whatever, and they, they did a power, power shuffle. And there was a new prime minister. And the guy said, oh, you didn't hear about it. I said, no, I didn't. But even if I did, what would have changed? Nothing. The country keeps moving. Everything keeps going on. So what am I talking about? Negativity. Surround yourself with positive, with positive people. If you've got friends who are always discouraging you, just disengage. If they're family members, you know, just see them at Christmas, right? Because family, you can't, you can't uh, say they're no more family, right? But I want to encourage you to play all out. Play all out. Because this is not um, a dress rehearsal in life. All right, so there's a, there's a six-step system that I want us to go through tonight. Okay, it's about understanding what ideas you have, working out whether you can create a system around that idea, a good system that can then be duplicated because through duplication, you start to create, well, leverage. Leverage, through that duplication, you can now move into leverage using other people's money, other people's time, using technology, etc. Through leverage, you really now get into wealth. Once you create wealth, then it ceases to become about income. At the beginning, it is about income, but it ceases to become about income once you do create that income and it becomes something about significance. It becomes about legacy. It becomes about contribution, which is why you see people like Bill Gates they're still making billions and billions of dollars, but they're not too concerned about how much income they're creating. They're more concerned about the legacy, the foundations that they're doing, the Bill Gates and um, Melinda Gates foundations, right? Um, if you look at Warren Buffett, who knows Warren Buffett? If you're an entrepreneur and you don't know Warren Buffett, you need to give me a hundred kwacha. So Warren Buffett has lived in the same house for like, I don't know, 40 years. I'm told he drives like the same old vehicle that he's been driving for for years. Um, why? Because it's not so much about the income. It's about significance and legacy. The guy, I think, is almost 80, but he is still in the office, still creating wealth. That's what it's about because he's found his passion. When you find your passion, you don't retire. What do you retire into? You just keep going. You just keep going. Like dad here is a bishop. He's never going to retire because he's always wanting to preach the gospel. Ideas, right? Who's ever heard of McDonald's? I don't think we have one yet in Zambia, but, but I'm sure a lot of us have heard of McDonald's. If you're in Australia and you talk about McDonald's, it's probably like, I don't know, what's the biggest food chain in Zambia? Is it Hungry Lion? Yeah. Hungry Lion. You know, look, we're in a business room, right? So let me tell you something. If you want to copy a business idea, you want to copy something like Hungry Lion, right? Because we, yesterday we were at Manda Hill and it was packed. You couldn't get in an order. We drove all the way through traffic. Not that we didn't eat. We ate there. And then we drove all the way through traffic to the new mall that they've just opened in, um, in McKinney called the Cosmopolitan Mall. And you're just walking past and you could just see it's packed again. Whether you're in Kitwe, it's packed. So they've got a good model. But here's the interesting thing that I noticed. It seems to me like it's a KFC copy. Right. That's what it looks to me. If you really go and study it, I'm sure you'll be able to see the colors are similar. The menus are similar. So what have they done? They've copied and pasted. 
KFC has come probably, I don't know, 10 years too late. Anyhow, Macca's is one of the biggest food chains in the world. It's a billion dollar enterprise. A gentleman called Ray Kroc was marketing milkshakes, milkshake machines. And um, he found the McDonald brothers, African-American brothers, um, who had created this this restaurant. It's like a, a corner burger shop. And they were selling burgers, just flipping burgers and chips. But they had gotten down to a nice little system. You know, they were ordering a lot of these milkshake um, machines. And so one day he wondered and he went back and said, how come you guys order a lot of these when others don't order so many? And he saw that they had created a nice little system that created a drive through system where people can come in and buy their buy their burgers and, and what, without leaving the car, etc., etc. Or, or just coming in over the counter and it was all very systemized. So he offered to do a partnership with them. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, he offered to do a partnership with them and so they started to work together. So he got in into the business and then he offered to go and open it up in, an, in another state and he did that. And then it started to take traction in another state as well. After a while, he told them, let's leverage this business a little bit more. Let's create a bigger system that we can you know, build more distribution, uh, essentially franchise the system. They did not see that. Their, their vision wasn't to create something big, something big and monstrous. And they kind, of, they kind of pulled out. And they had some legal things that they had to go through. Eventually, Ray Kroc bought them out for a few million dollars back, I think, in the 60s. Now, Ray Kroc is dead, but McDonald's franchise is still opening thousands of stores every year, creating a wealth machine. And I want to reference this example just to give you an idea. And for the purposes of what we're talking about, let's use Hungry hungry Lion as an example. So it may not work necessarily the same, but an idea is good. And that's what we began with, right? When you find what your passion is, when you find what your skills and your strengths and your giftings are, you then work out what ideas keep coming back to you. You know, there's some things you're walking past a a store and you're like, I wonder why they package things this way. Yeah. I wonder why nobody has ever thought of making a suit jacket that looks this way. Well, go and do it. Maybe that's your idea. But the thing about ideas is as as soon as you're thinking about it, someone else is thinking about it. So you've got to move quickly and stamp your footprint upon it and then begin to move fast out of that. So you've got those ideas. Why, why, the reason I'm going back to that is I want you to get out of here crystal clear that I know what I'm strong in. I know what I'm passionate in. And I know which ideas I can put together now, create a business model. Once you've created those ideas together, you've written them down, you start to build a system around it. I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about creating a system and what it entails. But essentially, a good system will have marketing, which is over here, customer service, and financial intelligence. And I'll break this down a bit more. But every single time you step into McDonald's franchise, for instance, um, over where we are, you find it's run by teenagers. These are kids who can't even clean their own bedrooms. But when you go in there, they're 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds who run this joint. Who's ever seen one of those? It's just run by little kids, right? Why do they, why can they run it? Because it's a simple system. It's a simple system. Every time a system becomes too complicated, that's when you start to have corruption. That's when you start to have frustration. Coming in to the international airport, there's a queue from here to the desk over there. I don't know, 20 people, 15 people. One hour. Why is that? The more complicated things are made, the easier it is uh, to say, excuse me, I'm in a a rush. Can you maybe find a way to help me just 
get through. But if you get there and it's going to take you 10 minutes to go through, you don't, you just, you just mind your own business and you go through and there'll be nobody there saying, I'll help you boss to, to just make it quick. So if you're running a business, make it simple. Make your processes simple. It doesn't mean you, you tell everybody your secret, but you make it simple. So if you're working in a McDonald's, for, for instance, you go and buy a McDonald's franchise. They will come and install the system for you. They will tell you where to put the frying machine. And if you go into any McDonald's, you're going to see it's generally in the same spot. That's where the fries go. And if you're making a burger, you don't decide, okay, I'm going to put the mayonnaise and the tomato sauce together, mix it in a cup, and then I'll chuck it onto the thing. No, you don't do that. You follow the what? The system. You follow the what? So if if it's pickles at the end, you put pickles at the end. Why? Because if you go to McDonald's in Hong Kong, you go to McDonald's in Dubai, it's going to taste the same. That's what it's about. Creating a global franchise that tastes the same, looks and feels the same. That's why they create wealth. So if you've ever tasted a McDonald's burger or Hungry Jack's Hungry Lion Chicken, you know you probably your mom or your mother-in-law can can make a better chicken, fried chicken than than Hungry Lion, right? Yeah, probably a bit less oil, hopefully. But why do we go there and buy it? Because it's easy. It's simple. And why would you not go and open up with your mother-in-law your own uh, chicken fry shop if you had the opportunity and the money versus a, a hungry, hungry lion? Anybody who goes in and does a basic training can do it. That's why people go and buy a franchise from Hungry Lion if, if it was on sale or, or a McDonald's because they can make a better burger, but they want the system. So if you're creating value in your business, create a system. Then you've created equity in your business that someone else can come and buy off you. But if it's all in your head, if it's all about you, I'm never going to buy it from you. It's worth nothing to me because you're the thing. Yes? But if, if, you've, if you've systemized it, it means someone else can run in that shop without you being there. And then someone else can buy it knowing that this thing is going to keep going even though this person is not there. Does that make sense? So creating a system. You know what system? Who can tell me what system stands for? System stands for save yourself time, energy, and money. Save yourself time, energy, and money. That's what it's doing for you. Duplication. Duplication will never take place until there's a system. If you own anything from a business perspective, a business idea, a shop or whatever, it's difficult for you to duplicate that until there's a system. So duplication is about building distribution. Distribution. You, you may not know it, but you know, when you look at somebody like McDonald's, for instance, they are the biggest buyers of chicken in the world and beef and all these other products that they sell because they sell so much of it. So all they've built is distribution. So what's distribution? Distribution is about having more than one point of sale, right? Distribution could be physical stores or online or other other means that you're getting your things noticed and known out there. And distribution works with automation. Automation is about getting, reducing the labor required to do your processes. Who knows that, the, that when accountants sit down and work out how do we reduce costs, the first thing they look at is labor. Who knows that? That's why there's a lot of redundancies and restructurings. And it's interesting that the people who get restructured out first are not the people at the top. Have you noticed? It's not the people at the top. It's the people who are not at the top. Because how are you going to restructure yourself out it means you're not thinking straight right so you make you make yourself work harder but one way to get restructured out, one way to reduce your cost base is to automate whether you're a, a small entrepreneur or whether you're a big company automation using computers not writing everything out by hand believe it or not when you're getting a visa at the airport it's written out by hand there's a computer there. i'm not sure what the computer is doing if we automated that process maybe the queues might move quicker yeah and maybe maybe things might be a little bit easier so when you're starting out do your best to automate a quickie cutter approach it's like the mcdonald's process right they do everything exactly the same way so you want to work hard once you've got your idea and you start to set it up work hard to make it a quicker cookie cutter approach 
where when a client approaches you and says they want to, maybe you're a dressmaker, right? Instead of making a dress every single time somebody comes to you, you find a way to have a cookie cutter approach, templates, or I don't know, any dressmakers here or fashion, fashion gurus. So, so you find a way to, to automate your processes so that when a customer comes, you don't have to start from scratch. So you know, I can get my materials from there. I can do X, Y, and Z without having to take a long process to do the thing. Because if you do that, the value in your business is very low because when somebody buys it, they want to know, can I do it? Is it simple enough? Does that make sense? There's something that we, that I've learned. It's not what works. That it's very important when you're trying to grow your business. It's what duplicates. Something can work, but then your employee may not be able to duplicate that. It's too complicated. It means you're always going to be the one doing that thing. So it's not what works. It's what? It's what duplicates. It's something that needs to be efficient. Sometimes we're doing something because we just want to do it that way, but it's not efficient. It's not efficient. What do, what do I mean by efficiency? Efficiency means if you've hired somebody, your client comes and you're always doing it for your employee, it works, but it's not duplicatable. It's not efficient. Why isn't it efficient? Because one day you will not be there and they will not know how to do it. Therefore, it may be good for now, but it's not efficient long-term. Does that make sense? So you want to focus on efficiency. Is this process efficient? Is it getting me the best value for my money? The biggest asset in your business is you. It should be you. So you want to focus on strategy. You want to focus on the big idea. You want to focus on driving your business forward and delegate. Delegation is also similar to automation because someone else can do that process for you. Is this making sense? Very good. Leverage. Leverage is many people doing a little bit each. Doing more with, more with less. What does that mean? It means everybody doing a little bit adds up. I was talking to to one of our one of our uncles and they were saying they're in the business of loading chicken offals and they buy a couple of thousand kilograms every every day and they make a few, I don't know, 20, 10, 20 quarter, whatever, here and there. But when you add it all up, all those little things, because you're dealing with volume, it starts to make money, it starts to, to add up more with less. Less effort, creating more, not the other way around. This is about creating time and money freedom. Creating time and money freedom. Leveraging means you're using computers, means you're using technology, means you're using other people's money when you can. That's leverage. Does that make sense? Why is it leverage? Because instead of you investing a hundred kwacha, you can invest a thousand kwacha by getting 10 people to chip in a hundred kwacha each. And then you, you say to them, I'll pay you interest at the end of the 30 day period or whatever you, you discuss. But then the profit that you make, if you make 200 kwacha profit, you've invested a hundred kwacha. Yes, you made 200 kwacha. You've doubled your money. But you you really invested a 1,000 kwacha because you've used other people's money, yes? So 200 kwacha on a 1,000 kwacha is not so big. It's 20%. But if you made 200 kwacha on 100 kwacha that you originally invested, that, that starts to sound really good. So that's leverage. But wealth, wealth is really time and money freedom. What's time and money freedom? Time and money freedom is where you don't have to work for money, but money works for you. You see, money is not a good master, but it's a good slave. Money is a good slave because... When you send money and tell it to go and work for you, it's going to bring back interest. So we've got to get to a place where money works for us. You see, people like Bill Gates are making money while they sleep because money is doing what? It's working for them. Now, they're not more special than you and I. How do you make money while you sleep? You set up a system that allows you to keep doing business 
while you sleep. Either people are awake selling on your behalf, they're getting paid, so it's not a bad deal. Or you got computers selling on your behalf. Maybe you've got music, maybe you've got clothing or online stuff that you're marketing and you're creating income while you're asleep. Any business that you can make money while you're asleep is good. Who agrees with me? Nobody. That's why you're not making it. Hey, it's about playing more, giving more, and working less. Passive income. Who understands what passive income is versus active income? Passive income is about creating income while you sleep from things that you invested in that are generating an income for you. This is where wealth is. Wealth is in real estate. Whatever you go, whoever you talk to, you find if they're creating income, they're investing it into real estate. They're investing it into real estate because real estate has two returns that it provides. What's the first return real estate provides? Rental income. Yes? What's rental income? Rental income is just money that somebody's paying you when they're leasing your property. Is that right? What's the second return that real estate can give you? Appreciation, right? Any accountants in here? Yes? In, in finance, that's called capital gains, right? So the, the capital grows. Now, have you ever found anybody who's working a job and they've managed to sell that? Or maybe you have, just, just keep that quiet if you have. Generally, people don't sell their jobs, right? Especially in this economy, it's even very difficult to leave your job as a, as a legacy for your children. But it's gone, right? It's gone. As soon as you step out, as soon as you're made redundant, you're gone. Your family has to go and run something else. But if you've got a business, you can leave that for your children. So this is about legacy. Legacy and contribution, but I'm mixing it. Real estate, royalties. I know we've got a couple of people here in the music industry. Let me see your hand if you're in the music industry or something related to music or, or, or the arts, right? This is where you're creating royalty income, right? Royalty income is passive income. Why is it passive? Because you sing a song how many times? You record a song once and somebody can buy your CD today. Another person buys your CD tomorrow. If you're on iTunes, they buy your song on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, they can watch your song on YouTube and they can go and download your song from somewhere else. So you're using, you're leveraging your stuff, your system to create income streams coming into your pocket. Do you know the two most highest paid musicians in the world? Let me see if you guys in music understand this. Who are the two? You had it. Who is it? Michael Jackson. Let's give her a hand. Michael Jackson. Who's the other one? Rolling Stones, probably. Elvis Presley. Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley are still making millions and millions and millions of dollars. As far as we know, they haven't um, sang any new songs. <laughs> but for, for Elvis Presley, that one is he's still a bit debatable because there's a lot of guys who are impersonating Elvis Presley, so we don't know whether he's gone or not. What am I talking about? Royalty income. If you've written a song once, you recorded it once, you're creating income from it. Now, if you've, do, if you've not done your legal papers correctly, maybe somebody else is taking your royalties. Yeah? At the beginning, it's okay. At the beginning, you want to launch, you want to get out. I don't, I don't get too fussed about, you know, let me just, let me make sure. I don't, I'm not going to release my CD because there was one sentence missing in the contract. Dude, get your CD out first. Let people know you. And then on your next, you know, next gig, then you can actually tighten up your contract. Otherwise, you're just not going to get your stuff out. Someone is pumping money into you. You know, take some risk, but learn your stuff, learn your numbers, learn your legality so that you don't miss out on what's rightfully yours. Business dividends, investing in, in shares, investing in other businesses, etc., etc., franchise fees. So this is wealth. This is how you create wealth. It's very difficult to create wealth from an employment situation. It's very, very difficult. I've been working as an employee for over 15 years and you make good money, but then it's very, very difficult to create real wealth. We work for the people who are creating wealth. Yeah. The people we are working for um, are creating wealth because we have sold our time. This is what's happened. We've sold our time 
wholesale and they're selling our time retail. Does this make sense? We've sold our time wholesale. If you've ever worked in an accounting firm, there's why I called charge out rates. Or if you're an engineer or if you're a, I don't know, who, who here has ever worked in a, in a situation where you've got a charge out rate per hour, an hourly rate that you're charging to your client? What's your industry? Price Waterhouse Coopers, right. So consultancy, this is accounting consultancy. So, so you would charge out, they, they, for argument's sake, you're being charged out at, I don't know, 500 quacha an hour. But this is what they're charging. They would charge a thousand quacha if it's a hundred dollars or it's a thousand quacha per hour, per hour. This is what they're charging out as a consultancy service to maybe approach your hotel. Right. They're going through a restructuring. They want to get rid of whatever. Or, or, or you know, the, the massive roads construction and they need guys to come and do an audit of it. Make sure nobody has taken any money without permission. Right. But then you're going to get paid maximum 30% of what they're charging out. Maximum. Now, it's not a raw deal because you are at liberty to leave. Yes or yes? If you don't like it, you, you know, you're quite welcome to, to do the thing and, and resign and, and then they'll find somebody else. But the point is this. You are helping somebody else create wealth. There's nothing wrong with employment as long as you understand it's only for a season. I don't know whether there's somebody who was just called for employment. Nothing wrong with it, but if you are super excited about what you're doing and you're creating, you're following a good cause and that's what your passion is and you don't feel there's nothing, there's nothing in your DNA that wants you to create your own thing, that's fine. But my understanding is it's going to be very difficult for you to get to a situation where you're creating wealth. Remember what I said, not everybody is going to be suited for what I'm training here. Not everybody is going to take all of this and say, this is for me. And that's okay because the 5% of the population drive the wealth of the economy, in most economies. And 95% work for the 5%. So there'll be a naysayer in here who says, if we all start businesses, who's going to work for the other person? Good news. We are not all going to start businesses because some people are going to say, no, this is not for me. I'll start next year. I'll start next year. In fact, my father tried this and never worked. These things never work. So those people will come and work for for you. So don't be worried. You see, McDonald's is now having a massive charity program. It's called the McDonald's Charity and McDonald's House, where they're taking, you know, families who've got very sick children who need specialist care in the big hospitals and they provide accommodation for them free of charge so that when the child is in hospital, these are, these are kids that might be in hospital for, for 12 months or more. So they provide accommodation for these families right next to the hospital where they feel, you know, not eating out of fast foods, but they're, they're able to have their own meals, etc., etc. So these guys are giving back to society. And this is what legacy is all about. It's difficult to give what you don't have. It's very difficult. You should try it. To give what you don't have is very difficult. And please stop embracing poverty like it was given for us to as an inheritance. We take pride in being poor sometimes. It's not good because maybe for you it's okay, but you're passing that on to the next generation. It's not good. It's almost a sin. I just need to find the, the scripture. Do you, has anybody ever watched a horse race? Nobody gambles on horses. So when you watch a horse race, you will notice in most cases, a horse race is judged by what is called a photo finish. Why do we use photo finish technology generally? Because the race is very close. Yeah. So the race is very close and we want to just make sure that we can see. There's what's called the Melbourne Cup, which is one of the biggest horse races in the world. There's the Melbourne Cup, there's the Kentucky Derby and all these other things that they do. For us in Melbourne, when the Melbourne Cup is on, it's a public holiday. Can you imagine? Just for the horses. It's good. We love it. I've never been there. And people go there, mainly people go there to gamble and to, to drink and, and you know have, have a party there at the, at the races. But yet, there's Melbourne Cup Day in, I think, the first 
Tuesday of November. So if you're ever in Melbourne, the first Tuesday, just get ready. Bring your, your spring um, clothing and your, they call it a fascinator. Do you guys wear fascinators here? But yeah, my point is this. The winning horse only wins by a very little bit. But guess what? That's where greatness is. Greatness is only a little bit more. Just a tiny bit more from where you are punching at. Greatness is not so much out there, up there in the ceiling. Greatness is just a little bit more. We always play within our comfort zone. We always play within our comfort zone. That's just our DNA. Have you ever seen a football match? I know my brother loves Manchester United, which is a bit unfortunate, but... Have you ever seen a football match where the team has played well and they're, they're playing all right and maybe they're two, two nil up and then suddenly the other team gets back on, on level and the other team wins and you think, what happened? The same game, the same team, those other guys just push their level just a little bit more and things have changed. So with whatever you're doing, I want you to walk out of here tonight understanding that greatness in your life lies just a little bit further than where you are right now. If you knew how deep the tree was. So this is a tree, right? Yeah, it's even getting worse. Okay, if you knew how big the tree trunk was and you knew that your job was to cut through the tree, yeah? So as you're cutting through, maybe you've cut 5% of it and it's taken you a week. And, but you know how much they're going to pay you at the end of chopping down that tree. So it's an agreed contract. You're not going to panic week two, you're over here. It's fine. Why? Because you have seen the other side. You know where the tree is going to finish. Yes? And you've calculated how long it's taking you to inch away at the tree. The biggest problem with being a business owner is you don't know where the tree ends. So you may be right here and then you quit just before the break of dawn. But you never know how close you were. So that's why I began. What's your passion? Because if it really is your passion... You won't give up. You keep going. Even if everybody quits, you keep going until you break through. Yes or yes? Hey, thank you for listening. This is Davis again. I hope you enjoyed that first part of the Think, Execute, Succeed Zambia tour that we did a little while ago. Hope you got something out of that. Um, Look out for the last part of that workshop. It's coming in the next episode, and I'm really excited. I can't wait to get that into your hands, into your earbuds, so that you can finish that off and get all the very best out of it and start to take action on what you've learned today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can access the show highlight reel at businessgenerals.com forward slash think. That's businessgenerals.com forward slash think. And if you haven't yet left us a review in iTunes, would love your support. Jump onto the podcast link, go to iTunes and just leave us a review. Would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. See you next time.